morning. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of Numbers. Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, we're going to start at verse 1. Numbers 14, verse 1. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, truly be God and allow us to know you as God. Humble our hearts so we can see you and respond to you rightly. Teach us, train us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're working our way into talking about what it means to be saved, what what real salvation is, and trying to get an understanding of what it is that God does in us once we're saved, once we're set free. But what we've been talking about is those things that we have to do that allow salvation to be real and to be right within us. A couple weeks ago, we talked about repentance and how repentance is primary to salvation. I don't care how many preachers that laid their hands on you, how many times you got dumped in the pool, or whatever it is, if you have not repented of your sins, you're not a Christian and you're not going to heaven. That's just real and that's reality. And we went to confession about how confession is bigger than just feeling bad and feeling sorry for what you did wrong, but it's a real opening up your heart out of faith and out of trust to God. And we're going to move into baptism, but before we get there, we're going to take a pause and try to get an understanding of what real faith is. And the way we're going to look at it is going to be a little bit different. And the reason it's so is because we live here in the South, and the vast majority of people here in the South, according to their confession, is going to heaven. They say, and they're going to be with God. They are Christians. They got their quote-unquote own relationship with God. And truth be told, it's a lie. Most people who claim to believe do not believe, not even a little bit. And part of the reason is because they don't know what it means to believe. Most people, when you ask them, do they believe in God, they think just saying that they thank somebody up there who can hear their prayers and bless them, that's sufficient. But the Bible in James 2 tells us that devils do that and do tremble. So demons and devils believe that it's somebody up there greater than them. And most of us got this AA faith. What I mean by that? In AA, when you go through the drug rehab, one of the steps you got to go through is believing in a higher power, whatever that is to you. And since we think that we have put our faith, quote unquote, in a higher power, everybody think they okay. And that's what allowed the confusion of our lives to be so jacked up and still think we're going to heaven. That's a lie. Thinking that it's somebody that exists greater than you is not faith. Believing that your prayers will be heard and you're going to be blessed irregardless of how you live is not faith. And so we're going to take this journey a little bit and try to understand what faith is. And we're starting here in Numbers 14 at one of the most pivotal stories in the Bible. To understand the story of redemption, this story, it gets harking back to a lot of times. And the reason we're going to go through it is just try to demonstrate to you how your life demonstrates your faith. So in Numbers chapter 14, where we at is, give you the background. This is after the children of Israel have been taken away from Egypt. God came, he set them free. They've been walking around in the wilderness, and now it's time to go into the promised land. And what happened is, 
before they went in, Moses told them to pick out 12 spies to go and check out the land. So to peep the scene before we go in. 12 men went in to peep the scene. When they came back, 10 of those men said that, uh, no, nah, we, we, we can't fight with them dudes. And the reason they said so is because there were giants in the land. So the land was full of Shaquille O'Neal's. And all they was were mugs and bulls. They're like, no, nah, we, we can't fight with them dudes. It's giants in there. We can't go in and take the land. Only two dudes believed. So they refused to go in. And this is where we are in Numbers 14. Watch this. Saying all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, against the whole congregation. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we have died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an ex- exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then, we will bring, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flowed with milk and honey. Only rebel not yet against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone with them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the things which I have showed them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. So this is God's response to them. But the deal I want you to catch is God's anger was turned against them. Why? Because they refused to go into the land. Get the picture. God gave them a command. Y'all are going to go. Once the fear overtook them, they refused to go. And God's response was anger. And he got upset with Moses to the point where he was ready to destroy them and raise a whole new nation through Moses. Now Moses prayed that he don't do that. And his final response was, every last one of these people who are adults, they're going to die right here in this wilderness. So since the spies sent four days in the land, Y'all going to spend 40 years walking around the mountain till all y'all die except the two that believe me. But the point I want you to catch is their rebellion was categorized in the mind of God as disbelief. We would say they were just being hard-headed. They believed in God. Why do you say they believed in God? Because when they was complaining, who did they talk about? God. Why would God do this? Why would God send us out here? So they had some concept or understanding of God, but in the mind of God, their understanding was not sufficient to count as belief because their understanding of him led them into rebellion. So you cannot disobey God and claim to believe in him. You're a liar. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. 
And this is Moses reminding the people of this statement. I just want to drive this point home. It said in verse 26, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us and had brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the son of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which go before you. He shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man though bare his son. And all the way that you went until you came into this place. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God who went the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in and fire by night to show you by what way you should go up in the cloud by day. This is Moses just repeating the same event. And I'm going to try to drive this home in your head. Moses' summation of what happened was the people did not believe in God. Why did he say they did not believe? Because they would rebel. They refused to do what it was that God told them to do. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? You cannot be disobedient and be a believer at the same time. You're a liar. You cannot do your own thing and claim to have faith in God. You are a liar. Faith in God is dependence on him. So if God tells you to do something, and for whatever reason it is, you do something other than that, what you are doing is not believing. Which brings us to a dilemma. Because we have placed our hope in the fact that we're going to go to heaven because we made a confession. We repeated after a preacher. And that repeating after a preacher was a sign of my faith. That's a lie. Faith cannot be detached from obedience. Let's look at another one. Go to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17. We'll start reading that. Verse 5. 2 Kings 17 verse 5. said, Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and cast Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Halah in Habor by the river of Gozan in the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt and had feared other gods and walked in the statues of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. And the kings of Israel which they had made and the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fence cities. And they set themselves up images in the high hill under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places. And, did, and as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away from before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols. Wherefore the Lord said unto them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel, against Judah, by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn you from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I command your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets, notwithstanding that you would not hear 
but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants and he made that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them and they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like unto them. Now what you have here is another instance where God is punishing the children of Israel. And what happened was these children, the Assyrians that he was speaking of, they came into the land, the promised land. The children of Israel in the promised land, they're living out the blessings of God. And they made them slaves and took them away from the land and took them into Assyria to make them slaves and make them captives. And all of the things that God pinpointed in that, he said because they serve idols, they worship false gods, they built up false altars to false gods, they rebelled against gods, they did all type of wickedness in the land. They were burning their children unto this god called Molech. They had all type of prostitution and all these type of things going on in the land and worship to these false gods. And God said, it's because of these things that I'm punishing you. We understand that. People were disobedient. They served false gods. They were living in all type of sin, burning up their children, doing all type of wicked foolishness. We like to say, yeah, they need to be punished. This is just a whole nother level for you to be burning up children. But then God started to sum it down. And he said, I came to you and I told you to return and obey the commandments of God. Told you to repent. And I sent to you my prophets, the seers, all of these messengers God kept sending into the land to tell them, y'all need to repent. You need to change. You need to turn your ways. But they would not do it. And God finally summed it up and said, yet you would not believe in me, the Lord your God. To turn from your evil ways so that you can be healed. That's why you've been sent out. But the same thing remains. God is connecting their obedience or lack thereof with their faith. You cannot claim to believe in God and live in disobedience to God. So let me give you an example. As we all been around for a minute and you've seen the, the church folk. Now, let's take, let's say you got young man. Young man Claim to have faith in God, I'm saying, and mama and them took him to church. He don't really go too much to all that stuff because he's too deep. He ain't got time for all that religion and all that stuff. He got his own thing, his own relationship, his spirituality with God. And this young brother, been convicted in his heart, God been really working on him and telling him about certain things he need to change in his life. Man, you need to cut out this and that and that. And the brother started doing better. He started getting right. Saying to go to school, making decent grades. He ain't out there with all the robbing and kicking those in, doing all that wild foolishness that go on out in the streets. Pretty decent dude. And on the outside, we look at this brother and say, yeah, man, the brother, all right. I'm saying we just need to get him in church. That's a lie. But this brother is cool, which means that he get access to the ladies. Because cool brothers get the ladies. And since he has access to the ladies, now brother know and understand that sex and all that stuff supposed to be for marriage and all that little stuff, but don't nobody believe in that. That's that old stuff that folks used to do way back in the day, but people understand that things have changed, times have changed. I'm saying, because we just a new age, God knows he understands my heart. And besides, God made me like this. I'm saying, I've been one girl since I was like, I'm 10, 9 years old. 
saying? My auntie and them had me going around the thing, grabbing on booties. It was cute. <laughs> That's just the way it go. They used to have a little house party. They put the little girls on me, make them twerk on me. I'm standing there, a little bit of boy. Can't even stand up. That's just, that's just how I been. So it's in me. God understand this is who I am. So when I'm out here doing my thing, it's not out of disrespect to God. I'm just being me. I believe in God. I'm going to go to heaven. Because I got homeboys out there slanging dope. I ain't with that. I got partners that just kick those in left and right. They travel all around from county to county. They know these little back road counties. They be in there, jumping from Tallahassee to Tuskegee, up to Opelika, down to Phoenix City, back up in Montgomery. Don't even ride the interstate. Because they back on. They snatching up cars, kicking in doors. I ain't with that. Them dudes wildin'. I'm just kicking it. So God can't judge me because I believe. That's what the young man said. Now, I'd have been that young man. And one amazing thing happened. I realized that the same God that tell me I ain't supposed to be robbing, I ain't supposed to be kicking folk doors in and stealing from everybody, it's the same one that told me not to be out here disrespecting all these young folks' daughters. It's the same one. So the same thing they're doing, I'm doing, I'm just flipping the other side of the coin. Because I'm disobeying the same God. And I'm a fool if I think in my head that I can go to God and say, at least I ain't do. Because I'm still being disobedient. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And disobedience shows me that I don't believe in him. How is that? Give me an example. Take the apostle Jay. Pretty wise man. And he go around, he give a lot of people advice. Now, one of the most controversial things that he give people advice about is money. How to deal with their money. And what makes it so controversial is that people already know how to deal with their money. At least they think. So, when he tell them, you need to do this, this, and this, and your budget going to be balanced, and you're not going to be in debt. In five years, you'll be out of debt. And they be like, bet. I got you. Then they sit at home, and they be like, well, Jay said I need to end my lead pad, get rid of my cable, and stop going to Starbucks. But I can't get rid of cable because what I'm going to watch and what I'm going to do. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to get rid of charter and get knowledge. Oh, wow, as it is now. Because it's cheaper. Because if I do it this way, see, then I can have a little bit of money to do this and that and that. Now, that seems to be bland. What are they saying? When you make that decision to try to accomplish the goal that Jay set up in means different than what he set up, what you're saying is you believe that you can figure it out better than he can. That's basically what you're saying. When you got, we're going for the same objective, but we're going about different ways and I'm doing mine in blatant disobedience to him. What I'm saying is I believe I can do what he's trying to get me to do better than he's trying to get me to do it. And then when we live our life 
like that in regards to God was saying the same thing. So when God tells you how to react to people, when God tells you how do you need to possess your body and you do the opposite of what he's saying, but you're trying to get the same goal that he told you supposed to get, you're saying you believe that you're smarter than him. And so you're not trusting him to lead you and guide you. You trust in who? You. Because you think you can figure some things out. And the amazing thing, it gets even deeper. Because you ain't even trusting you. You trust in how you've been brought up and how you feel. That's what you're trusting in. Because that's the reason you do the things that you do. How you were brought up and how you feel. You ain't even sat down to figure it out. You ain't even sat, took time to try to understand life for yourself. You just been accepting the words and the traditions of what everybody else done told you and how you feel on the inside. And the amazing thing about how you feel on the inside is you feel wrong most of the time. Because all of us that done lived a little bit, we done had those times where we knew deep down in our hearts something was supposed to be. Like you knew it. And you were wrong. Like some of y'all ladies, I bet you done been with a dude. And you knew deep down in your heart this was the man you're going to be with him the rest of your life. You just knew it. Couldn't nobody tell you nothing. Mama Nim, sister Nim, friends and all them other Nims trying to tell you something. And you knew that they wrong. They just hating because you got a man and they ain't got no man. How they going to tell you how to live with your man? They ain't even got man. Your auntie been divorced three times. She don't know nobody keeping no man. So you know what the deal is. And then, since we're a new age, you pull out your little fancy phone and you get to flipping. Hold up. Post pop up that you ain't quite familiar with who these people are. It's some little lady. And it's that fancy dude that who you know you committed to. He in the background turning up, as y'all say. Getting lit. In the club, hugs up on somebody else when you knew he was at work. I'm going, you straight knew it. Because he's been working a whole lot of overtime lately. Because he know we trying to get us a car because we finna be mad. <laughs> He's working overtime, all right? Overtime lying to you. But the point is, your heart made you believe something that was not reality. Your heart convinced you of something that reality did not match up to. And when you live according to your heart, according to your desires, according to your lust, that's what you end up with, foolishness. The Proverbs said, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is Death, the end thereof is destruction. The end thereof is the path that leads to perdition. Because we don't know nothing about life. Our hearts are deceitful. So we need somebody greater than us who understands better than us to lead us and guide us so that we can understand what it is that we're supposed to do. And that's what we're supposed to have in believing in God. But when you're disobedient, you're not believing. Everybody got that? disobedience is not faith. You can say, well, I got baptized. Who cares? You can say, well, you don't know. I, that man laid hands on me and I repeated after that preacher. He told me because I said that prayer, I'm going to heaven. He lied to you. You can say, I know God and, and I put God first. I'm saying every night, I'm saying I pray. Don't nobody care. Because the same God you're praying to at night is the one you're disrespecting all day by being disobedient. Those things don't save you. Those things are not faith. Those are just religious tradition that some dude made up. God ain't make that stuff up. That comes from us. Now I lay me down to sleep. Mama Neb taught you that. 
And they ain't get it from the Bible. God calls wholehearted obedience. Go to the book of Hebrews. Let's dance with this thing. Let's play with some church traditions. Try to understand really what does it mean to believe. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now this is a famous church folk verse. And we're going to try to get a little understanding up. All right, back up a little bit. Go to chapter 10, just, just to get a little context. 10.35, and we're going to read through 11.1. says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but unto them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now this is Paul. Well, we don't know who it is. The writer of the Hebrews. And he's going in to understanding the sacrifice that we have in Christ. And going through chapter 10, he talked about the better sacrifice that we have in Jesus. And how those who turn away from Christ... To seek salvation somewhere else, second time you go over it, they don't have any hope. Like, they don't have anywhere to stand. Then he turns to us and said, but let us continue in our confidence and not be like those who draw back unto perdition. Because the just shall live by faith. And so what he's pointing out is, is we have faith. That's the only way that we live. The righteous live their life by faith, by trusting, by believing in God. But if you draw back, God's soul shall have no pleasure in you. And what he mean by draw back is if you turn away from God, if you put your hope or put your confidence in any other thing, God ain't going to have no pleasure in you. And so he's showing that parallel between faith and obedience. Faith, and he adds another level, which is persistence. That's why he says, so let us be steadfast. So we have to keep on moving. We have to keep going forward because if we lose hope, if we draw back, if we turn away, if we look for any other thing to give us hope, to give us eternal life, say God shall have no pleasure in us. Only thing we can do to give us hope is believe in God. And that belief is to trust in him. And how long do you trust him? All the way into the end. So if the only hope you got is that one day when I was at summer camp or at basketball camp, the preacher man came into the neighborhood and I said that prayer that one time, you don't have faith. Because this faith walk is a daily thing. If you're not waking up every day, every moment of your life, depending on God to lead you and to guide you, to make you righteous, you're not believing. Because just to go back to one time is to look for something other than God himself to save you. And we don't have faith in faith. We got faith in God. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So when he said, will your soul draw back? If you look for another, if you refuse to believe, if you hold on, if you begin to doubt, if you become fearful and all that other stuff, God should not have pleasure in you. That is what that said, isn't it? Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That don't sound like that what they be saying on TV. Because on TV they told me that all I got to do 
is understand that I'm a child of the king. And it don't matter what I do. That I'm automatically going to heaven because God didn't love me and his love is so strong and it's eternal and can't nothing take away the love of God. But this one told me if I draw back, God ain't going to have no pleasure in me. And we are not those who draw back unto perdition. So these folks who draw back, their way, the drawing back leads them to damnation. And now let's flip to, to chapter 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he's now trying to give us an understanding of what faith is. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that word substance, it literally means that faith is like the conviction, it's the, it's the glue, it's the, it's the subfloor of things that we don't understand. What he's saying is, once you got it and you truly believe it, it becomes reality in your life. So the thing that you hope for, you're so convicted of it that it's displayed. I give you, try to give you an example to help you understand. Let's just say we all was in school taking a test. All right. We're taking a test and the teacher leaves the room. Now, before she left and before she gave us the test, she didn't explain to us that this test going to be 40% of our grade. And if anybody flunked this test, you might as well sign up for summer school because you're going to flunk this class. And if I catch anybody look like you cheat, you're going to get a zero. Those are the things the teacher laid out. Then she foolishly steps out of the classroom. And a little buke in the back, he can see the dope. He be like, hey, y'all, she gone. Everybody just get to pulling out their little cheat sheet. We're getting it. We're getting it in, but we're answering them things. We're going to talk about we serious business. It never worked so fast in your life, man. You're writing that thing. Then people like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Nah, that ain't hard. We're getting it again, boy. We're getting it. Then all of a sudden, he come back and say, hey, 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 put it up, put it up. And let's just say, everybody on this side, tuck stuff, ball stuff up, put it in their pocket, put it in their mouth, sit there. Everybody on this side, they still getting it. Come on, working, right. What side believed? Aaron, what side believed him? Huh? This side? You sure? That side. Why you say they believed him? They put their papers up. So their faith was demonstrated by their response. The fact that they put their papers up that tell you that they believe a couple of things. One, they believe Aaron was telling the truth that she coming. Two, they believe that teacher when she told them that if they get caught cheating, they're going to get a zero. And three, they believe this zero going to cost them and they're going to have to go to summer school. And lastly, they believe they don't want to go to summer school. All of those things were demonstrated in that one action of putting the paper up. That's real faith. And that's what he means by the substance, the conviction of it. It's something you got. It's reality. They didn't see the teacher. And Aaron had told them before to hold up. He thinks she's coming. And he was wrong. It wasn't her. 
but their actions showed the conviction of the substance of the thing that they could not see. They lived in a way that demonstrated that what they could not see was real. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And that's what real faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. So if you claim that you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you claim that you believe that he's the head of my life, as the church folks say, but you live in the means as if you are Lord, as if your desires are Lord, you do not really believe that there's no conviction in that. And the second part of it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and it's a parallel in that statement. What he mean by the evidence is that it shows what's not seen. It demonstrates it. It proves it. That's another way that word is translated. It's the proof of things not seen. That's what faith is. And that's what gets me to where we're going. Because many people, I mean, y'all know some folk, we just raise your hands in your heart. How many of y'all then responded to an altar call and said that you were saying, I'm giving my life to the Lord Jesus here in my life and I know I need to get saved. I want to go to heaven. You said that prayer. Then two, three days later, you were doing the exact same thing that you said you weren't going to do no more. Don't raise your hand out loud. Just raise your hands in your heart. And the reality is just about everybody in this room done been there. I'm talking about bad. And that shows something. What does that demonstrate? Go to Romans chapter 10. Because it's the evidence. It's the proof of things not seen. Romans chapter 10. 10 verse 8. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. It says, but what saith it? Talking about the scripture. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is one of the famous scriptures that sent a lot of people to hell. What do you mean by that? Because people take that, that if you just say some words, then that means you're going to heaven. But what does it really say? Say, if thou shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So if you really believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. I'm going to play with your mind. Use some logic a little bit. Now, Paul wrote this maybe about 30 so years after Christ rose from the grave, as best we can date it. Right? So we don't know 100% because most of that dating stuff is guessing. But they put it not too far from the time that Jesus died. And the amazing thing is that the time that he wrote this, there were some people around who saw Jesus and who had a chance to witness the empty tomb. So they had a chance to go to the place that Jesus was buried and see that he wasn't there. The question becomes that if we think like we think modernly, the folks who buried Jesus, put him in the grave out of hate and out of spite. When they came back and they plotted together and made up their lie that, hey, y'all need to say that the disciples stole the body. Do you think they believed that Jesus rose from the grave? 
Yeah, they did. They had no choice but to believe it. They saw it. They saw the empty tomb. They saw the dude who they hung on the cross walking around the streets talking to them three days later. Jesus showed up and he manifested himself to multiple people. They got it recorded. In their own history, they talked about the empty tomb and the fact that one nobody in there. So they knew of this event, both Jews and Gentiles alike. So since they knew it, they saw it. If you ask them, did they believe that Jesus rose from the grave? They can't help but to say yes. But none of those people were saved. Like, how could that be? How can you know that Jesus died and not be saved? Because to believe means to think that something is true, right? And the only way to understand that is to truly understand what belief means. It goes deeper than to think that something is true. Because they thought that it was true. That a dude hung on the cross. That he was put in the grave and now ain't nobody in the grave that he was in. They saw that stuff. So if all, if that's all that we mean when we say we believe, you don't mean anything. So when he said you must believe that Jesus rose from the grave, what he's replying to, referring to is the substance of the promises that are attached to those things. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Try to give you a natural example to help you understand. If I believe I'm broke, so I'm flat broke, and I want to go get me something to eat, And I believe Chelsea then footed the bill for me to eat. Like, hey, at church, going up to Golden Corral, telling you with Chelsea, everything I already handled. And let's say on my way home, I see her coming out of Golden Corral. I see her with a receipt. Then I walk up in there, hungry in the morgue, ain't got no money. But I ain't sure. I don't know if I trust her like that. Because she done dip. And I stand up in there. I'm saying I walk around the back waiting. Looking for Chelsea to come. Stomach growling. Calling my name. Saying all type of ABCs and all that type of stuff. Stomach got going on. Yeah. All that stuff. Stomach just, just doing his number. But Chelsea done told me. Hey. I got you. She said, go in there. Tell him you with Chelsea. If I truly believe her, more than just thinking that she paid, my real faith is that she paid sufficient enough for me to eat as well. Because that's what she's saying she did. So she's saying, I paid for your food. So that means I can just go in there and get to eat. Even if I think she just paid, but I don't eat, that means I don't trust that she paid for mine. If I get the bombing around, like, hey, man, let bro hold a couple dollars. That means I don't believe she paid for mine because there's meaning attached to her statement that I paid for you to eat. And when the, Jesus makes the statement that he died for our sins and he rose from the grave to conquer death, there's meaning attached to that. And the meaning that is attached to that is I believe that because he rose that one day I'm going to go to heaven and be with him. I believe since he died for my sins that he taken my sins away from me. That he conquered the sin that's in me. That he died to make me a brand new man. All of those things are the meaning that is attached to that. 
It's not just thinking that this event happened. It's trusting that all the substance that he connects to this event is real. And if I say that I believe in Jesus, but I'm still walking in my sins, I do not believe. Because he said he was the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. So when I say I believe Jesus died for my sins, you know, that's what folks say. We be on the street. And you believe Jesus? Yeah, what you believe about? He died for my sins. You'll be like, bro, what, what that mean? He died for my sins. <laughs> that because nobody ever tried to get them to understand that there's meaning attached to that. And unless you accept the meaning, you do not believe in the event. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So that's why the second part of this verse said, with the heart, man believes unto what? Righteousness. It's because this faith produces within me the trust that I depend upon God and the outcome of that is righteousness. My faith in Chelsea, if I truly believe in her, produces, I believe unto being full. I might believe unto being gluttonous. But that's what the faith does. That's an outcome because there's meaning attached to that. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So whatever your understanding of faith is, it cannot be detached from obedience. God connects your obeying him with your believing him. And whatever your understanding of faith is, it must be demonstrated. It must be proved that you believe the things that you claim to be real. If there's no proof, if there's no evidence, there's no faith. And the basic evidence of this faith is righteousness. Because with the heart, we believe unto righteousness. Because Jesus, when he died, he said he was the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. He said that he conquered death, hell, and the grave on our behalf. So all that stuff don't have power in me if I believe him. So if I'm living in sin and believing in Jesus, one of them will lie. If I'm living defeated and believing in Jesus, one of them will lie. Either he lied or I'm lying. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? If I'm just a good dude who ain't as bad as my peers, but still a sinner, I'm not saved. I'm just a decent dude. But you know there's a whole bunch of decent dudes on this planet. And a whole bunch of decent dudes going to end up in a whole bunch of decent hell. Because being decent ain't what God called you to because we have purpose. We have design. We were created to be the image of God. That's who we are. And the only way that we can reflect that image that we can reflect that nature is if we're transformed. And the foundation of this transformative work is faith. Are y'all with me? Anybody got any questions? Was Goliath one of the the giants in the promised land? No, not at that time. This was a couple hundred years before Goliath. What are el- elders? Elders are older people. The rulers generally what it refers to in the Bible. What is substance? Substance is something that is concrete, something that's real. Is sin the same thing as a adultery? Adultery is a kind of sin, yes. What does the word witness mean? Witness? The word witness literally means to testify or to let something be known. Why do people need to go to church? Why do people need to go to church? That's a good question. People need to go to church because the Bible tells us that we are a family. 
and that we were created to be together and to live and to dwell together. So church is the place where the family get together. It's the place where the family come together for the purpose of worshiping God. And it's the place where we get encouragement where we got other brothers who live in the same walk we live in that's encouraging us to go forth and, and to continue on and to be strong. So you need to go to church to be encouraged and to be with your family and to help them out. Since Jesus died on the cross for our sins, how did the people before he died were cleansed and went to heaven? Very good question. The Bible says that they had faith in God and in the sacrificial system that God set up. So they demonstrated their faith by looking forward to the sacrifice. So they hoped and believed that God set them down rules and standards that they're supposed to live by. And their faith was demonstrated by accepting those things. So like Abraham believing that God would give him a child. The Bible says he believed God and that was accounted unto him for righteousness. Like I say, he's talked about the children of Israel. By them following his precepts, obeying the Sabbath. Those were times of testing and of faith. So they believe they make it to heaven the same way we do by believing in God. Who is Zechariah? Zechariah, that was the father of John the Baptist. Any other questions? Having faith in God and having trust in God is the same? Yes. That's it. Okay. Um, I realize, like you said, that disobeying God, you can't do that and believe in him at the same time. But then... There's things that are not necessary, like disobeying him, but still not believing his word, what he said, that it's not like a sin mm. thing or whatever. But so where does that leave you? Is that also basically the same as far as, I don't know how I'm trying to say it. <laughs> I think I, I get, well, basically like when those non-sin issues show up, and we not believe is what you're saying. Does that put us in the same predicament as those who do the sinful things and not believe? Now, what the Bible shows and demonstrates is it it put us in a fear. Like, read through the Gospels. Jesus scolded the people over and over again. Like, oh, you a little faith. Why did you not believe? And on and on again. And a lot of those things were those things like we're talking about. Even when they asked him about the tree that withered, when he cursed the tree, they'd be like, wow, it's already withered up. And he responded, oh, you a little faith. Like, Bex, why y'all don't believe? And so, but it shows a persistence and a patience with them. And when we read in the letters of Revelations, what Jesus is dealing with the churches, the first church he deal with, he never really pinpoint anything that they did wrong. But he said they lost their first love and they need to come back. To where they be, where they were, or where they began, and the picture I get from that is that there's a hardness that can take place through unbelief that can slowly allow us to drift away. And even towards the end of the book of Revelation, when he run out the list of sins and the people who won't make the kingdom, talking about the murderers, the lions, and he put in there the fearful, and he he lumped them into that same list because there's a a point in which our fearfulness to step out on faith and do the things that God calls us to do, although those things may not be a sin and salvation issue, can lead us to a point where we squelch our faith in God and we end up denying him. And Jesus said, those who deny me before men, I will deny before my father. 
So the same thing that can make you hesitate to step out and do something is the same thing that can make you shut up when somebody challenging you about what it is that you believe and you end up like Joe Osteen saying that you don't think that certain things are sin <laughs> because you're in a position where you're used to drawing back. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't, I can't see scripturally where it puts it right there that if you hesitate to pray for somebody when God told you to pray for them, that that means you're going to hell. But that pattern of life can, can create in you a heart of unbelief that can allow you to draw back if you understand what I'm saying. Like as you were talking, then I thought about that scripture that says, "Whatever is not of faith is uh-huh. sin." So, yeah, you can't end up back in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> Any others? That's it. Uh, they all yours.